My name is Joel Sedeckase. In 2009, I left my job in the business world to teach Bible at a Christian high school in Chicago. Impacted by my students' questions, I set out on a journey that brought me first to seminary to study apologetics and philosophy of religion, and then into pastoral ministry. As a pastor, I saw firsthand the struggle of believers confronted with questions of life that at first seemed impossible to answer and the powerful confidence that came when they saw how God's Word gives the answers and guidance they needed. I had a dream to spread that message and equip more followers of Jesus, so my family and I joined crew and launched the Think Institute. Now, I'm on a mission to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message by applying timeless biblical truths to current cultural challenges. I don't have all the answers, but I'm determined to find them. And through this show, I'm reporting back to you, the Think Squad, what I discover. Welcome to the Think Podcast. Really quickly before we start, learning how to interpret all of life through the lens of God's Word takes a lot of work, more than just one or two podcast episodes a week. If you have an interest in the intersection between the biblical worldview and biblical manhood and current events, as I do, as well as philosophy, theology, and many, many leather-bound books, consider joining our free online community, the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and on Signal. There you can join hundreds of other Christ followers who are also on the same journey, and we trade apologetic stories and strategies, we discuss philosophy and theological questions. It's like a huge bull session around a bonfire in your backyard or at your favorite cigar lounge. So check out the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and Signal. My name is Joel Sedeckes, and this is the show that aims to equip you to answer Current cultural challenges with timeless biblical truth. We're all about helping dads to lead their families in defending the Christian message. So uh, if you don't know me, I am the host of the Think Podcast and the founder and lead teacher of the Think Institute. And uh, the mission of the Think Institute is to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. And I'm joined today by um, some bum off the street... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is a uh this is uh <laughs> michael why don't you, uh i'm joined by my my very good friend michael morgan M- michael why don't you just tell us a little bit about you who you are and uh and what you're what you're all about oh well yeah thanks joel um yeah we've we've known each other for goodness uh it's coming up on three decades man yeah, it is since we were uh, 10. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my name is Micah, um, Morgan, owner of, uh, Red Cloud Contracting. Uh, we're, uh, uh, small outfit, uh, residential, uh, general contractor and builder, uh, getting into some, uh, commercial work as well. Um, really, uh, you know, our, our focus and vision is around the customer experience and, uh, building um, yeah, building good relationships on a foundation of trust. Um, and, uh, so yeah, my, my work is, uh, putting together, uh, medium to large scale residential projects and, um, managing as much as I can and get my hands dirty when it works. And, uh, when I've got the time to, you know, 
swing the hammer. Um, yeah, family, uh, family man. I'm married 10 years. My wife, Cecilia, I've got two kids, Andrews, um, nine, Abby, who's six. And, uh, just, yeah, loving every minute of it, man. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a trip being a dad, uh, provider of the household and yeah. owner of a business. And, um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're busy. Cecia, uh, took a full-time teaching position at Aurora Christian school this year, teaching Spanish. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty busy, but, uh, awesome. but it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's great. Um, well, and is this, this is the first time, is this the first time you've been on or is this the second? On the- no, I think this is the first time I've, uh, been on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Um, so what you guys may or may not know is that Micah and I every month host a, um, this, uh, gathering called, uh, AWOL and it's something we've been doing. So, so here's the thing. It's in a way it's new. And in another way, it's quite old. So Micah and I, when we were, when we were younger, we would go and hang out, uh, after hours, the two of us and then another friend. Um, and we would, we would go hang out on Saturday nights and, um, we would have, we would have a great time. We would go, we would do, uh, you know, okay. While our peers, this is not to sound self-righteous or whatever, but while our peers were, whatever, drinking, uh, smoking up, that kind of stuff. We'd go to the Jewel Osco, <laughs> like one in the morning, yep. and we'd go and we'd enjoy the finest Swisher Sweet cigars that <laughs> that Speedway has to offer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'd, uh, we'd sit outside at, at the Jewel Osco grocery store and pontificate and bloviate and, uh, and just, just have, have a great time. I'd talk about the world's biggest questions and what's going on in life and, and, uh, just be, be goofballs, you know, 18 year olds, 17 year olds. And, um, we did this for a number of years. We did it. What did we do? We did it. Help me with the history. Cause we did it before college. Yeah. Like senior year. Yep. And then senior year was a trip. Um, oh, yeah. it was a blast. And then when did we pick it back up again? Because I know we were doing it when we both lived in Aurora years ago as well. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, certainly senior high school and then um, in college, like during during breaks, like, you know, oh yeah, w- winter break and come That's home right. or summer uh, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a period of time in there where, you know, I know you were you were in uh, – um, Pennsylvania for a little bit and I was PA, goodness yeah. I was I was all over the place for a little while there oh yeah mm-hmm. um Moval and then, yeah I was I mean I was out in Missouri yeah for a little bit uh in my parents basement for <laughs> too many years yeah that's a right that's uh, a rite of passage right there everyone has to right. do it for um, the millennials and heck man I mean that's it is what it is um and then we're yeah, in our I mean what's what, that like early, early thirties or late twenties, we kind of picked it back up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like whenever we, well, I mean, well, there was a time that we both lived in the city. Oh, that's true. So there was both some Chicago. Dude, I was like crashing at your place for a while. Yeah. And then, remember? yeah, you were crashing over my place. And then, um, that was when I met Elisa. Exactly. 
And then, um, and then I ended up moving out of the city for yes. various reasons. We don't have to get into that as to yeah. why. Um, and that was basically right when you were starting to like fully invest and in, in move into the city. That's um, true. And then, so I, you know, moved back out to Aurora, um, for a period of time. And then, uh, then you guys ended up, um, moving out to Aurora. Gosh, what was that? 2000, uh, 14, 15. Yeah. It, well, it would have been 2013 when 13. we first moved out there. We were out there for three years that we moved back in Chicago. That's right. And, but, but basically, so Micah and I have been, uh, for those of you who are, who are watching or listening on the podcast later, we've been, we've been, we would always, I mean, we'd, we'd meet up, we'd hang out and there were periods of time when we didn't do it. Um, yeah. like any, any friendship is going to ebb and flow over the years. But, um, recently, so get this, this is, this is, well, we're going to, we're bringing on a special guest here in a few minutes, um, which I'm super, I'm really looking forward to, to getting him on here. But, um, what we would do is, uh, we'd, we'd meet up. And so I live in the tri cities now in Fox Valley. Mike is in the Fox Valley. And, uh, we're, I think our houses are like 15 minutes away now, which is about how long it used to take to ride bikes probably to each other's house That's you right. know, in the old, <laughs> in the old days. Um, so, um, so we'll meet up and, um, We'll, we'll, we still call it a wall. Like we'll meet up, we'll hang out. And it was about a year ago that we're, we're hanging out in your garage, your workshop and, you know, surrounded by, we've got the wood pellet stove and all the tools around just the, just the, the manliest possible atmosphere (laughs) and just like the wood stove and the, the tools and it's the, it's bitter cold out. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're drinking whiskey and uh and hanging out i think i had my pipe going uh and dude you remember we were, it was like after midnight we're sitting there talking we're like man we got to start a fraternal organization oh we yeah have to do this yep you remember that all the, dude all the best conversations and ideas come well after midnight for sure a- absolutely <laughs> right yes i do vividly remember that yep and you know and it's something we started praying about talking about fast forward six months and you, me, and Tim Smith, who uh, some of the listeners might know, we I had him on to talk about how to find and stick with the right church. He's now moved to uh, North Carolina, although I talked to them. I, I was trying to get in touch with them earlier today about coming on. But um, he, uh, he and you and I, as well as uh, Tyler Terdici, um, we, we're, we're hosting these groups AWOL, man. And, you know, and I've got my half sheets with the questions on them and we're doing it at Tim's garage cigar lounge and your workshop in my bar basement. And, uh, and you know, these, uh, you know, various backyards and, um, and it's like, God, God caused it to happen. And, uh, and here we are now about a year later, I guess, if my math is right. And now we're talking about doing something just, just unreal. Like something, something that could be even just taking a wall to the next level. But this is what we're talking about today is, is manhood and, and, and community and uh, brotherhood and fellowship. And in that spirit, I'm going to, I'm going to show you what I'm drinking tonight. Sorry, man. I've been saving this, but I figured, so you bought this and brought it to my house. I did. And I'm only supposed to drink it on uh, AWOL nights, but um I mean this technically, I mean this is, you know, it kind of just a you know, alternate version of AWOL. 
Yes. Dig- digital A wall. It's fine. Yes. So can, um, can you can you can you can you pour me some of that in, in here? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, through the screen. Good. Yeah, give me, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, so uh, as we're talking here, um, good brother Caldoun has just popped in, and um, Cal, I'm going to add you to the the um the thing here, and then you can tell a little bit about yourself. Okay, Caldoun. How are you, brother? <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. I'm doing well. Good, good. So, um, Keldun, why don't you take a minute and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been on the ThinkPod before, and um, the three of us, of course, get together for, for AWOL nights. But um, for those of you who don't, for those who don't know you, who are you and what do you do? Well, thanks for having me on, Joel. It's a pleasure and an honor as usual. Hello, Micah. Hey, Cal. So, I do life, Christian life coaching for men, uh, helping men to become more productive and more helpful for themselves, their environment, and their relationship with God, and primarily becoming more productive members of their society. And that's something I absolutely love doing. I'm also associate professor of philosophy at the City Colleges of Chicago. I teach philosophy, ethics, religion, cognitive science, and things of that nature, and actually get away with it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome, man. How long have you been teaching at City Colleges? It's been about, wow, almost 14 years now, man. Incredible. Incredible. And uh, Dr. Swice has been, uh, uh, he's he's come to a couple of different like like pre-AWOL type gatherings um, that I've done in the past, but, um, but uh, recently started coming to AWOL. And I got to say, the three of us, um, along with a couple of other guys, but we've been, uh, the, the Lord is doing something here because there's, there's a, there's a vision that we all share. And I'm sure we'll get into it as we talk, but, um, there's a vision for fostering real authentic community among guys, among men, um, fathers and aspiring fathers, men who want to live for the Lord, applying biblical principles to every arena of life. And, it's like this vision that the three of us that God, I think, has given us. If I, if I can say that, I think, I think that's the case. And, um, so tonight, originally, Michael and I were, we were going to talk about applying biblical principles to diff, just different are, arenas of life. And, um, but, but Caldoun, once I knew you could come on, I figured we really should talk about manhood and fellowship and community. And why don't we just start there? What is, what would you guys say? Like, what's the state of brotherhood among men? And even if you want to get more specific, Christian men today? Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I think it's pretty isolated. Um, I mean, I think part, just even part of the culture, uh, just sort of, uh, at least in my experience, um, kind of conditions us to, you know, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, you know, get out there and, um, you know, get it done ourselves. And so in terms of, you know, having community and having a, you know, a group of brothers around, um, it's, you know, apart from like the, 
just some sort of like country club version or a bunch of drinking buddies and stuff. I mean, uh, there's, there's not enough, um, there's not enough opportunities for, for men to get together and really go deep. Um, you know, and, and I've been fortunate, um, to be a part of not just, uh, you know, a wall and, you know, uh, Joel, what you've been doing, um, you know, with the Think Institute and things like that. But I, a few years back, I got involved with um, an, uh, an organization that's a Christian-based, faith-based organization called The Crucible Project, which um, does uh, definitely help in, in regards to um, uh, uh, that community of, of believers. Um, it's not affiliated with any one church, um, you know, I, and it's kind of a side note, I mean, church, depending on which church you go to, I mean, they, I know churches try, um, I've been a part of some really good groups in church. Um, but as far as where I've personally been able to find a lot of, uh, that, that intimate connection where I can be, uh, completely vulnerable and safe and, uh, and loved and accepted. Um, I mean, the, the crucible project has been, uh, a big, a big part of that. Um, and, uh, Joel, I think you're muted. I was muted. Um, Cal, have you heard of the crucible project? I have not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, <laughs> really where to start. So it's, I, I know, I know it's been around for, probably almost 20 years. Um, and it, it, so essentially what it does, it's a, uh, it starts off on a, uh, a, a men's retreat uh, on a weekend. And I uh, can't say everything that happens on the weekend. Cause if I was going to try to describe, describe to it, it would be, um, it'd be hard to understand. It's kind of one of those things you have, it's experiential. You got to go through it. And I, and I, and I went through it, uh, four years ago. And, um, so, uh, I went into the weekend, uh, wanting to find, uh, contentment, uh, and peace. Uh, I was, uh, going through, through some things in my marriage and, and personally. And, um, what I was able to do on the weekend with the other men that were there, both participants and staff members, which was there, were, I think there was like 37 participants and like 40 staff members. So it's, it's very heavily supported. Dang. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty intense, uh, was for me at least. And I was able to really bring some things out and literally work on them, uh, and get the support from the other men. Um, and so it was, it was me, it was a life-changing experience. And then out of that, uh, weekend, then you're sort of open to other resources and opportunities within that. So I've been a part of a, a growth group. Uh, I've staffed a few weekends. Uh, they have like second level weekends uh, where they focus on things like leadership, mission, sexuality. Um, and, and it's, it, yeah, it's just a, it's just a radical way. It's just something that um, you don't typically find and I, I haven't necessarily seen in, in church. Um, not to say that you couldn't or that this is the only way to do it. It's just something that's really mm -hmm. been impactful in my life. And, uh, 
And so when we're talking about um, community and especially manhood, and I'm trying to remember uh, one of their, one of the things they share in the initial weekend is like the goals of TCP or the crucible project is to um, I think it's recover the masculine soul or something like that. So, Hmm. you know, it's, it's very much geared towards, you know um, you know, what is it, you know, what does it mean to, to model uh, uh, being a man of Christ and four different quadrants, one being king, lover, warrior, and sage, and kind of how those uh, – and, and some of this stuff is, you know – It's so cool, a, man. It's, yeah. It's like uh, medieval. Yeah, it it's is. It's like a guild. It it's like – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, Khaldun, how similar is that to uh, to what you do with Logically Faithful? with your, uh, your life coaching. Yeah. Well, the life coach is similar to what you're talking about here. It sounds like a wonderful organization. I'd love to hear more about it and how that works. Yeah. Uh, Well, what I do is um, there's a lot with the current state of men today, uh, which we can touch back on and go back to this question. Of course, the uh, advent of the strong egalitarian movement within uh, contemporary culture, specifically now with the, um, uh, the American Psychological Association pushing very hard to destabilize traditional notions of masculinity. I'm going to say Judeo-Christian notions of masculinity. Yeah, yeah. That is now quote toxic. That's right. You read their list of like. <laughs> you read their list of like what counts as toxic masculinity. It's like oh shoot, masculinity and culture is what we're talking about. Yeah. Or tear down the patriarchy and replace it. But what do you Those replace it with? It's like the it's 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 very sad. Yeah. It's like the I'm reading the list. It's like oh, those are all the things I want to be. Are, <laughs> that's like what I aspire to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you wonder with this stuff when you tear down um, uh, the centerpiece of civilization, which is the patriarchal system. It's the men who built up the very infrastructure of society. Are right. the men who work behind the scenes, the construction workers, the 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 guardians of the city, the 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 marines, the 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 national guard. The ones who construct and uplift, the ones who provide the ideological roots of society are, are for men. And men are willing to take risks and, and die for that. That's one of the reasons men die younger than women, generally speaking. It's because we're willing to stand up there and take the heat and um, and be the, 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 the people that God calls us to be. Now, there are extremes of that, and there are people who abuse that, like with any system. And, of course, modern feminism has capitalized on that abuse and took it up to the limelight with the Me Too mm-hmm things of that nature, which have destabilized the very notion of what it means to be a man, which has enabled the uh, LGBTQ movement and now now the transgender movement. And now even in the city of Chicago just announced last week, the Chicago public schools are allowing m- no distinction between bathrooms. Now it's girls plus, men plus, or whoever it is. Unreal. The insanity at this level is, is troubling and damaging to the next generation that yeah. many of us can't even stand up to even define what a man is. Hmm. And one last thing that's troubling to me is the suicide rate of men hmm. is three times that of women. And I venture to say it's probably doubled during COVID. Hmm. BBC has not released those results yet. Wow. Is that right? Yeah, I remember um, seeing a graphic that came out a few years ago, maybe two years ago. It said something like 25% of all suicides are women. That's far too much. And someone pointed out, so you're saying that 75% of suicides are men. That, 
Mm. seems like you're kind of missing the point of the, it's all tragic, obviously, and horrific, but you're kind of missing the point here. Mm. Um, But, but, but does that, does that point up? Is there an anti-male bias in our society? You know, Micah, even with what you were saying about the, one of the, the goals or maybe the central goal of the crucible project, what is it? Recovering? No, recovering. Something like that. I, recovering I the soul. Go, of, I should look it up. I'm gonna look it up right man. now. Man, I mean, like, not to me. Like recovering the masculine soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something to that effect. I mean, that um, right there tells you that this that something has been lost. You wouldn't have to recover it if it hadn't been lost. That's right. You know, and so, um, what? Why don't we? But this is interesting, Joel, because it it does take a an epistemological loss of an understanding of the definition for us to reestablish what that definition is and re-empower it and bring back men to a biblical notion of manhood. It's kind of like what Bart Ehrman did in the apologetics community on the biblical manuscripts issue. Uh, His books on popularization of the ancient issues that Christians have struggled with for decades and brought up to the, 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 the common vernacular, the problem in the biblical manuscripts issues, and people are troubled by that. The problem is Christians have already known this issue. Right. Uh, many have been already um, indoctrinated with the ideas that uh, of culture that these manuscripts cause a destabilization in the very doctrine of Christianity, and they don't. So are you saying that? For years, but the problem that he brought those problems out in a way that brought men out of the shadows to begin to defend it, become stronger about def- um, popularizing how to bring those um, defense of the biblical manuscripts in ways that have, they have never done before. That's good. This destabilization of what it means to be a man is actually a good thing for many men who are living in the shadows and not standing up. We're coming out of the shadows now. And now you're making a difference. You're waking up some sleeping giants. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Are either of you guys familiar with Michael Foster at all? Does that name ring any bells? It rings a bell. I'm not familiar with. Okay. So Michael Foster is a guy, I actually had him on my show um, last year or maybe earlier this year, we talked about patriarchy and um, that's, that's a, it's a term that he does not shy away from, but he and another guy, uh, D non-tenant who, I don't know where he's from, but, um, but they have this, this organization called it's good to be a man, which the name kind of says it all there. And um, they, uh, but what, but, uh, Michael Foster talks a lot about, um, uh, reestablishing patriarchy and the way he defines it. Uh, you, you really do, you, you, you listen to him define the term patriarchy and you get the sense, hmm, that actually doesn't sound like anything objectionable. That actually sounds fantastic in, in all seriousness. That doesn't sound like something that w- it would be good to smash. You know, all the feminists want to smash the patriarchy. It's like hmm, men leading their families, men establishing, um, you know, uh, households that further the kingdom of God, that kind of thing. And, um, oh, you know, uh, Caldoun. So here's the connection. Here's, here's a, a connection that'll put Michael Foster's work into context for you. Okay. So, you know, recently you and I went up to Wisconsin for the county before country conference. And that was put on by uh, Pastor Matt Truhella. Yes. Um, there, there was another one of those conferences. We went to the Express Talks. The There was a main conference that happened a couple months ago in Ohio. And Michael Foster was one of the keynote speakers at that conference. So he's he's connected with the whole county before country movement, talking about localism, local activism, and and so I, you know, so that kind of ties in with his idea of restoring the 
the household with, you know, man is the, the head, the, the husband is, and the father is the head of the household. And then sort of expanding that out locally into your community and saying, okay, now make a difference in your community. Um, through local institutions and, you know, all the stuff that they talked about in that, in that, uh, in that podcast. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how did he define power patriarchy that you found helpful? Cause I just, um, you're doing a quick uh, search on Google, which is extremely egalitarian and mm -hmm. by all the ideological nonsense of the, the ethos of the day says that patriarchy is an exclusion. Hear this. Yeah. Society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. Right. <laughs> which is not only categorically false, right. but it's ideologically pandering to this LGBT and this um, uh, ADA or APA uh, smashing of the masculine and, yeah. and replacing it with what? Right. Yeah. So here's how they define another website. They say, our mission is to develop the knowledge, virtues, and skills necessary to rightly order ourselves as and our world as men, we call this gendered piety. And that's actually not the, hmm, that's not what I was looking for. So in the beginning of their podcast, they say something like, we are seeking to expand God's rule and reign through hmm, godly households. Man, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. But, uh, the, the gist of it is, and I don't, I don't know word for word. I'm going off my memory here, but the gist of it is, God is our father and, and we extend God's kingdom into the world through godly households that are rightly ordered with the father as the head of the household. And, and because it's a podcast for men, it goes into great detail on how to do that in various aspects. And so it's cool. I wouldn't say it's, it's, there are, there are a lot of guys out there who are just sort of knee jerk reaction to feminism and, you know, they're maybe more anti-feminist than they are pro-patriarchy or pro-manliness pro and, and pro-manhood, pro-godly manhood. These guys, my, my, my take on what they're doing is they're trying to establish a positive view, a positive form of patriarchy. Uh, it's not a knee-jerk thing. It's not a reactionary. It definitely flies in the face of popular culture. And as you said, Caldoun, the egalitarianism that is rampant, it flies in the face of that insofar as it's establishing something that cuts totally against the grain. It's establishing something positive. Right. And, you know, it's putting up a lighthouse and the waves are hitting the lighthouse, but they're not out there trying to beat back the waves. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And if I, if I may here, um, in the interest of trying to understand the other side's perspective on this, a lot of women have been marginalized throughout history and have the feet of men on their proverbial necks, so to speak. For right. Yeah. Wondering why that is. And I think the distinction and the nuance need to be made on this. And as in, in philosophical insights, one of the things you need to do is define your terms. And when you define a term, you're able first to be able to analyze it properly and to exegete what that means in the different levels. So when we say that women are oppressed or men are pushing women down, what do you mean by that? And you, what you find is that women are not getting the same opportunities on there. But th what they do is they confuse and convolute to the difference between opportunity uh, of outcome and then you have, uh, excuse me, a, a place of opportunity for women to act in culture and outcomes. There's a difference between the two. And when women have an opportunity to be able to become scholars, become scientists, become mathematicians, which they do, especially in the STEM fields, mm -hmm. millions of dollars at the City College of Chicago, where I teach, oh, yeah. 
specifically empowering women to get into these fields. And they're still not coming in. <laughs> but they're coming in, but they're not staying. They're not lasting long. Now, it, the opportunities are there. The outcomes is what the, the, um, the, the strong feminists are waiting for, and the outcomes are not the same. The problem is they're not waiting for these outcomes to see how they pan out in other areas, such as the prison population. Men out one number woman there. We want the same outcomes there, don't we? How about <laughs> construction? How about sewer work? Cleaning out the city sewers of the metropolitan cities of the, the slums of the of the planet. Yeah. You want men there? What about that? Why can't we have women there as well in addition to men? I mean, you want to equal things out, don't you? How about the military, front lines? Uh, some of them are trying to do that, but the vast majority of women are saying, no, we don't want that. It's not so, good on paper, but in reality, no. So in a, in a world that, you know, we already talked about the um, – the toxic masculinity piece, how, you know, the egalitarianism that's rampant. I mean, you mentioned Google, one of the world's largest companies, clearly biased in favor of egal the egalitarian mindset. And when I say egalitarian, for me, the way I'm defining that, again, Cal, you mentioned define our terms. When I'm thinking egalitarian, I'm thinking eliminating or attempting to erase any ontological differences between male and female. Anything, anything that, that, that is like naturally different about us. In other words, um, you know, the egalitarian mindset taken to its logical conclusion, uh, it, it might start in something like, like, uh, hates, um, you know, we need more women CEOs, for example. But then where it ends up is in this, uh, you know, these cultural trends now where you see like, um, literally men are women, women are men. Not only can they do the same thing, but there is no difference. And so um, this is the, this is the toxic and uh, very um, perverse and ironic piece of all this is what you end up, what ends up happening is because you've blurred that line. Now you've got men competing in women's quote unquote sports because there's no difference, right? So they should be able to compete equally. But of course that doesn't happen. The men dominate and athletically destroy these women and sometimes you look at a sport like mma and it, they just brutalize these women mm -hmm. and it's it's tragic it's it's very it's very upsetting and so when i'm when i'm talking about egalitarian i'm talking about the the world that that encompasses all of that and and uh and everything that it entails but um so i know there's different ways we could go about this but one of the things that the three of us i think are very passionate about if I could, if that's the right word for it, is establishing manhood community, male community. I don't know a good way to put that. Brotherhood, you know, fellowship, brotherly fellowship, the fellowship of the the T, you know, the testosterone. I don't know what you'd say. Um, so, uh, Michael, you know, you you do the crucible. Uh, you yeah. do the um, you you obviously you and I have been doing AWOL for a long time. Um, what what do you think are some of the, uh, you know, in your experience, what creates a good environment for friendship, masculine friendship, for manly brotherhood and fellowship? What are some of those essentials? Essentials for developing intimate male friendships? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I know the, the, I know, I know what we've done. I know what our, our friendships lasted, you know, uh, quite a while. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it all started with, uh, similar interest in, in music and the fact that both of our names are, you know, Old Testament prophets, right? 
Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, uh, where I've, where I've experienced that, uh, that unity, I guess, or, you know, where, 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 you know, there, you really feel that like everybody's pulling on the same rope kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is just like, like I said, like I said, kind of going back, going back to, uh, the weekends that I've been a part of. I mean, there's, there's guys that I've never met, but they've all been through that weekend where all their staffing and about to bring in, um, you know, a new group of participants. Um, it's like, despite differences in personality or, you know, even, even politics or, uh, you know, things like that. It's like, we all have a common goal that we're all working for and kind of fighting for. It's almost like, uh, like the, like the front lines, like we're going, you know, we're, we're got that warrior energy and we're, we're going to go and accomplish something, you know? Um, and, you know, I, th I think that, um, you know, it, like you had mentioned earlier, like a year ago, you know, we, we were talking and we're like, Hey, we, we should, you know, really consider putting something together where we can, you know, bring men together that are all sharing that, that same vision and value. And, um, and, and again, kind of all pulling on the same rope and supporting each other doing it. Cause that's the thing. We can't do this. We can't do this alone. I know right. I've tried, I've tried multiple times. I, I probably even fell back into it, you know, this week with, with mm. just stuff at work or whatever, you know, and not, not calling you or, uh, or heck, I, I know I can reach out to, to Caldoun or, you know, any, any of my other group members and, yeah. and, and, and friends and people from church, you know, it's just, um, you know, so, so I think it's important that, um, you know, as men, um, Christian men, obviously our, we know who our model is, uh, and who Jesus Christ, man, he's, he's, <laughs> I like he, to make he, things very explicit. <laughs> he, hey, that's, you gotta do it, man. Amen. Um, abs, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And so uh, that's, you know, what, what more to, what more to add? I think that answers uh, the question. Yeah, that's great, uh, Micah. And we're not made to be alone. That's One right. Of the first things God said to Adam was it's not good for the man to be alone. Mm -hmm. I think that not just, it's not just talking about his um, exegetically in that particular passage. It's referring to the woman that completes his madness or masculinity. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally speaking, we're not made to walk the walk alone. Right. Uh, even Christ sent out his disciples two by two. And he yeah. commanded us to not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Because a lion, who the devil is called, roars about, prowls about, excuse me, like a roaring lion, looking from whom he may devour. And who does he pick out? The ones that are alone. Right. The that are alone. They're easy to pick out. They're easy yep. weak. They're they're empty or they're tired. That's why they're alone. Or they're just moving away from the pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Right. So that's good. We need to be there. And that, that goes back to a book I read a number of years ago. And this is something I do in my own coaching practice to encourage men about. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees. Uh, and the author was talking <laughs> about a lot a tree itself is only as strong as a forest it is in. We are only as strong as the people we gather around us. Uh, I don't know if you heard the old dictum, uh, you are the summary of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's, it's very similar to our psychology. Even even our accents, how we speak, is how the people around us uh, <laughs> we speak like them. We think like them. We eat like them. We laugh at their jokes. Uh, the, the people you spend time with form your character. That's why it's essential to be around people who want the best for you and who are better than you and who are uplifting you to the sun yeah. above you, like the tree. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And that, and and uh, Micah, you mentioned that Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Jesus is the ultimate example, not only of manhood, but you think about the amazing example that Jesus did set because he surrounded himself with by uh, with community, twelve guys, one of whom was a traitor, uh, eleven of whom never fully understood what he was talking about until after he had risen from the dead. You know, like right. you look at these guys, which by the way is one of the best evidences that the New Testament is recording historical fact because the authors are not trying to make themselves look good. They right. look like buffoons half the time. Yeah. And that, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that if they were, if they were, uh, you know, uh, uh, prevaricating, uh, right. if they're lying. So, uh, but Jesus surrounded himself with, with 12 guys. And I read this meme recently. It said one of the most overlooked miracles of Jesus is how he was able to assemble 12 friends in his early thirties. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, if you think right. about it, that's miraculous, yeah. you know, but this is what we're trying yeah. to in a, look in a perfect world. And, and I know we're broadcasting right now and this is going out on the podcast, but I wanted to sit down with you guys anyway, because um, this is what I want to, to foster. I mean, this, uh, this idea of strong, unapologetically manly community for dads, for aspiring dads. And I say aspiring dads because I think every Christian man, there's some, there's, unless you're given the gift of, um, of celibacy and praise the Lord, if you are. But most of us are aspiring to have kids, to have a legacy, whether they're natural born, you know, whether they're adopted and Micah, you're adopted. Um, you know, my dad is adopted, but we, we, I, me personally, I want to foster that kind of community. And, um, so, so this is, this is what you, you guys and I have been talking about the last, uh, few, I don't know, weeks, month something like that. Um, I think where we're at right now in the planning that we've done behind the scenes, I think that we, we share a vision. I think we've established that. I think that where we're maybe a little bit hung up isn't the right word, but where, where we're, where we're in a holding pattern right now is in how to execute the vision. Because, um, you know, starting a group like this, I mean, you wish it would, it would happen organically, but the fact is we do have families, we do have jobs, we do have callings in our lives. We've got other organizations that we're a part of. We've got local churches. The three of us do not belong to the same local church, right? So we, you know, all this life gets in the way. So, so there is going to have to be a certain level of organization and intentionality there. Um, have you guys given any more thought over the last couple of weeks on, on some of those next steps in terms of, um, you know, formally starting an organization like this, what do you see as being the next steps? Do you think that I'm right in my assessment or, or, or am I off about something? Mm. I've been thinking about it and, and trying to see that how that's going to work. And one of the ways I found in doing things is to not try to reinvent the wheel. Uh, like oh, so. talking about there's other organizations that have been doing well and others have fallen. 
Some are secular in their orientation, such as the Warrior Project. Others are Christian in our orientation, such as the um, um, Warrior Heart or the Heart of the Warrior. Um, John Edwards, Wild at Heart. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there are many Christian organizations in that realm. I think we should just tap into and do some research specifically on what is it that's successful in some of these hmm. and, and, and see where God leads us as we learn from how they learned and how they failed yeah. so we can do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, that's that good. That's what I should do. And we need some administrative work, uh, people who are skilled in that route. Yeah. So if you're watching this or you're listening later on and you're like, man, I want to be a part of a, a Christ-centered, unapologetically manly community and and fellowship. And by the way, bonus points if you live in the Chicagoland area, because that's where the three of us are located. <laughs> but uh, but if you've got if you've got those uh what would we say, administrative skills where you're where you're um, you know, skilled in uh the the practical execution of things um it, listen hit me up you can get in touch with me the think.institute slash contact i'll put i'll put it up on the screen and um we are this is definitely something that we're looking to expand something that we're looking to grow and foster and um guys just so you know here in geneva and i don't know how you feel about geneva but i the more the longer i live here i've been here for for a year now in this area and I, I go into, uh, you know, downtown Geneva for, um, from time to time. And man, I love it. And I, every now and then I pass by a vacant, uh, storefront or, or building, you know, especially one that's for sale. And I, my mouth starts to water a little bit. And I'm like, this could be the study center. This could be the place because we haven't talked about it on the show yet, but that's, that's the dream for me is to have a physical location where we can get guys together to drink coffee, uh, maybe share a meal, smoke a cigar, smoke a pipe, all the stuff that we've been doing with AWOL. And, um, you know, Caldoun, you can have your two sips of beer. And, uh, <laughs> I know that's how you prefer your, your beer, two sips at a time. Um, and, um, uh, and we get, you know, physically together because virtual is good. Don't get me wrong. This is all well and good. It's better than nothing, but man, nothing beats sitting down face to face. And, and if someone's it, look, if someone says something funny, just being able to laugh in their presence, you know, slap someone on the back. Someone says something stupid, you know, you give them a, give them a quick punch to the, to the arm real quick. You know, <laughs> like there's something very, uh, very good, very real about being in person. And that is the goal. I think is having that study center with the library and the cigar patio and the, the, the coffee, uh, bar. And, um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. Is that, is that the dream? What do you guys think? I think so. I think it's wonderful. I, what I do in logical faithful and my ministry to uh, men and uh, Christian life coaching is help empower men to be, I have a bunch of peas that I worked with and I shared this with you guys in mm -hmm. the past. And I think we can incorporate some of that and maybe expand on it in different ways and to elucidate that in different ways that may help. And I hope this is encouraging to some of you guys. Uh, what I do is when I work with individual men is first we define what a man is, get that masculinity issue clear, mm -hmm. and from there unpack the roles of what a man ought to do, biblically speaking, grounded in natural law, backed up by psychology and uh, the cutting-edge research there. And these are the ones that I have. A man is to be the provider, protector, prophet, priest, and ultimately patriarch. 
of his family. And to do that in a way that honors the community where he is more productive, brings more peace, and brings more passion to those around him. And if you could do that in a way that is helpful and encouraging, you can transform your families and your culture around you and yourself. Michael, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, that. no, that's that's good stuff, man. Um, I, I would fully agree with all of that. And um, yeah, I mean, whether I, I may not necessarily be conscious of those specific words, but as I think about like when I get up to do whatever it is that I got to do today or tomorrow, whatever, I mean, those, those are the things that it's like, that's what I'm working towards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, a study center or a location or something like that. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think there's a couple ways to go about doing it. Um, you know, it's almost like at what, at what point do we just like, like, cause we, you could be in the planning stage for a decade. Oh, easily. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, what, what's, what's the, what's the minimum things here? Yeah. That, we really that wasn't need? one of Caldoon's peas though. Planning. What's that? <laughs> what's Endless that? planning. <laughs> Endless <laughs> planning wasn't, was not one of the peas. Yeah, we just added another two. Right. Planning property. <laughs> yeah, yeah, planning and property. Yeah, it's, it's at some point you got to be practical, right? You got to you got to oh. pursue, you know, you got to <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I mean, at, right. I mean, to 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 some to, you know, to some degree, it, it's like when we got the I mean, the All right. the, the passions there, the visions there, but the, here's the thing, the vision's going to change. Yeah. It's going it's going to it's going to be refined, right? Yeah. I mean, the core of whatever that vision is, I I'm you know, that's probably going to stay consistent, but you think we just need to pull the trigger. I, I mean, it's yeah. I, I think probably a, a few more discussions with, with, because here's the thing it, that like, I, I know I have something that's going inside that's saying like, yeah, this is what I want to do. You're, you're the one that Joel, that had brought it to, to us with, mm-hmm. with the, with the, with kind of the grand vision. Yeah. I know I can help with the, some of the practical stuff, even some of the administrative stuff. I mean, that's what I do in my job. Dude, I know project. that that is what, that's true. That's I'm what project you do. manager, dude. I manage large scale projects, multiple players involved. I mean, <laughs> yes. Okay. I could be that individual because that's what I do. Um, you know, and, uh, so yeah, my, Bottom line, what I'm saying is, yeah, at some point, if this is something that we really, I mean, mm. we're, okay, let me know whatever that space is next time you see it. Yeah. You know. Okay. So, Things so like I that. will, I I will, I will definitely let you know. And I, I will say this too. So there's another P that I've got in my mix, which is podcast. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, over the next six months, I am very committed to growing the ThinkPod. And uh, there's some things I'm going to be sharing with our ministry partners. In uh, we've got an end of the year letter going out uh, tomorrow, Lord willing. And I'm going to be I'm going to be talking about that with our with our ministry supporters. But there is a program that I'm going to be entering um, the ThinkPod into to grow the podcast because I do think we have something very special. I do think that. For the guys who listen, who listen regularly, who who know the show, 
Uh, the, I do think that they're getting up. If, if, if I dare say so, and this is all by God's grace, as you guys know, I'm not sitting here tooting my own horn, but I do think that, that guys benefit from it. And I think that there's a, a value in men getting equipped to answer current cultural challenges with timeless biblical truth and to be equipped to lead their family in defending the Christian message. And, um, so, so growing the podcast is definitely an aim that I have. Here's what I'm hoping for. What I'm hoping for is that the two are going to work well together. This idea of this, this, uh, patriarchally minded fraternal organization and study center and the podcast, um, you know, you, uh, uh, think of it in terms of uh, a body and a voice or something like that. You know, you've got, you've got the organization, you've got the physical location and the podcast is, is the voice where we broadcast the message of this. You know, it's what I'm, what I'm trying to do with the Think Institute, what I'm trying to do with the, the, the Hammer and Anvil Society, which is our applied discipleship wing. Um, but, but there will be a, um, physical for it. And I'm hoping that by growing the podcast, we get more guys excited about it, more guys who want to join up, who are willing to, to pay another P a price, you know, whatever, whatever that might be, but, but to, to be invested in it. And guys, let me go on a quick soapbox rant here for a second, because I've got some statistics. And I think that, I think that we need to really keep these statistics in mind to add a little context, because we don't just want community for its own sake. We, here, here's why, here's why I'm passionate about community. There's another P that Caldoun mentioned earlier. Passion. Okay. Proverbs, another P. Proverbs 22, six says, start a youth out on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. The stats absolutely back that up. Of dads who attend church regularly, their children, 67 to 75% of their kids become church growers when they go up, when they grow up. When dads don't attend church, just 25 to 33% of their children become churchgoers. And churchgoers is defined loosely here. It's like once a month, something like that, or like, like, like even like semi regularly, maybe even less than once a month. But when it comes to church attendance, which is not definitive, but at least an indicator of spiritual life and spiritual health and spiritual growth. Again, because community matters. Caldoun, as you said, we're not meant to be alone. Um, so that is an indicator there. Um, you, some might say, yeah, okay, fine. But, you know, are things really, is the need really that, that dire in our, in our world right now where this needs to be a major focus? Okay. According to Barna research in 2018, I might have shared this with you guys. In 2018, just 9% of Americans had a worldview that was fully guided by the Bible. <laughs> Sorry about it. Uh, give me a moment, guys. Okay. In 2019, the number dropped from 9% to 5%. And, uh, hold on. Okay. Cal, are you good? Do you want me to do anything? I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, while people normally think of America as a Christian nation in re and yes, our founding principles are absolutely Christian and anyone can fight me on that. I'll be happy to defend it. But in reality, we are no longer an actual Christian nation. So when Barack Obama said that a few years ago, he was sadly infuriatingly correct today. 2.7 million people leave the church every year. About 200 million Americans are completely unchurched. There are 10 states where 96% of the population are unreached and unchurched. And America today, the United States of America, is the fourth largest unchurched nation in the world. So it might surprise people sometimes that Elisa and I are missionaries here in the United States. But the United States is 
the fourth most, statistically speaking, the fourth most important mission field in the world. And when you think about the, the way that culture starts here and gets pumped around the world, you might arguably arguably say that this is the most important mission field. And so now you think about how does culture change? Khaldun, I know you know this. Michael, I know we've talked about this. Culture changes from cultus, which is worship. Worship, we've just seen, is defined by what the family does. And the family is ultimately led by the head of the family, which is the dead. So how do we fix the state of the American church? And how do we therefore make a massive impact on Christianity around the world? We reach men. We reach dads. For me, that's the Think Podcast. I play a very small role in this, but I think it's a vital role. I think I think we can say the same thing for all of us. It's it's the Think Podcast. It's this organization that we're working on fostering. It's the study center. This is what we want to see happen. Is we want to see men come together, get strengthened, not just for the sake of you know getting stronger, so that we can flex our spiritual muscles. Although that's good, physical muscles are good too. But then we go back to our our households as loving servant patriarchs and lead our families closer to Jesus Christ. And I think that changes the world. Mm. That's some powerful information you shared there, brother. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when, uh, when a man falls, the consequences are devastating for those around him. And it's very heavy. When a man is uplifted, it's also the consequences are also positive. Because he leaves that uh, the scent of uh, an ability to be able to provide for those people around him intellectually, psychologically, spiritually, in ways that um, only he can. Now, when he's not equipped to deal with the stuff that's coming down the pike, like critical race theory or Marxism, social Marxism, and other ideological things that are um, questionable, um, it's like a new age or secularism and things of that nature, how do we address those? And if we're not equipped and if we have a group of people around us who can help us and equip us and challenge us and encourage us, we can do that to our own families and those in our circles. Where? How do we get equipped for that stuff? I know I'm talking about that stuff. You know, Caldoon, I know you're you're dealing with a lot of that stuff. Where does the where does the I hate to say that we're all we're all normal guys. We're all average guys. But where does the average unseminary educated Christian man go to get equipped? on this stuff they don't <laughs> that's the pro that's uh, probably the problem <laughs> well, i mean you know i uh you, you somebody would would say that's probably what the church should be doing not you know i mean we like our the church that we go to but yeah, me too you know it uh it it has a different focus um it's i mean it's very welcoming and open not to say that it's like ultra progressive that they're flying a rainbow flag or anything but they're they, <laughs> they you know they they they're they're they 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 do a they they're good at attracting uh yeah people uh, i've been there i can vouch for that yeah and and, and they and they they're pretty biblically solid man i mean they, they share the gospel and that i as far as anything that i know you know, when I when I read the Bible, it nothing is, is you know blaring that this is you know this is unbiblical. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, what we're talking about here in terms of like, um, not just uh, 
you know, being, being spiritually strengthened or fed, which is what I know I get when I go to church and being a part of that community. And I know I want to be more involved in serving and and being plugged in there. Um, But as far as some of these other really important issues, you know, there's, there's an element like you said, of, of training and, and, and equipping that I'm not necessarily getting there, which mm. is, which is something I know that I've noticed as we've been talking about kind of what's going on out there in the world and how do, how do we, you know, how are we f- formulating our, uh, our defense against this stuff and then taking that to our families and, you know, us with kids, like, how are we explaining this stuff to them? Because if we're not teaching them, mm-hmm. who's going to teach them? The and world. Exactly. And that's Satan. Right. And that, I know I don't want that, <laughs> you know, um, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I think of some other, some other guys and, and I've invited them to a wall Christian guys. And like that, that whole, you know, kind of isolation, kind of, I kind of got this mentality. They're just not, it's, they're not interested. It's like, I, I just told, I told the guy the other day, I'm like, look, if you want me to stop inviting you, man, just let me know. I'll take you off the text. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, and just, I, like, I don't know. It's, I, 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 I can't. Um, there are a lot of people, Michael, who don't care, who are caught up in the ideologies of the world, who are drinking yeah. from the world's cup. Drinking the the Kool Aid, the cultural Kool Aid. Some are getting drunk on it, and some are licking the cup. Man, yeah, it's, it's pathetic. Some some of the stuff, but some of them don't realize it. But we're not after those guys. We're after the ones who are thirsty for righteousness, for holiness, right. for truth. And what you do, as Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice." Mm. We we present the message for those who are interested and who are hungry, who are thirsty, are called out of it. Um, now, and they're the ones who make a difference. The right. If I may, there's something here. I read a forward to this. This is years ago. You may be familiar with this. Neil Postman in his book, Entertaining Ourselves to Death. Oh, yeah. The 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 forward to that book is worth the entire book itself. It's, it's uh, a detailed analysis of the culture of his day back in the 80s or 70s, excuse me. And he talked about the distinction between two extremes, which if I may, if I may put those out there, I think it's, it's this is incredible. Uh, he said that there are two extremes in dealing with knowledge and learning. One of them is triviality of the knowledge, and the other is the banning of or the restriction of that knowledge. And how you break this down is just profound in how he does it in his introduction to Bray, to the uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And what he does is he lays out two different um, versions of it. One is from Adox Huxley's Brave New World, and the other is from Orwell's 1984. Mm-hmm. Here's how he puts it. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who would want it to read one. Mm. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much information that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared the truth would become concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. <laughs> Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with the equivalent of the feelies and the bubble bubblies of the emotions. 
As Huxley remarked in A Brave New World Revised, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on alert to oppose tyranny fail to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distraction. In 1984, Huxley added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Hux Orwell feared that what we hate will ruin us. Huxley feared what we love will ruin us. This book is about the possibility that Huxley, not Orwell, was right. And as men, we can get caught up in these two extremes. Yeah. That's, that's sobering, man. It's very sobering. Yeah, for sure. I think we have to be very intentional as men, very uh, strategic and very committed because, yeah, you know, as you're reading that, as, I, as I'm thinking about this, um, it is very easy for us as men to withdraw into a world of uh entertainment or um oh man uh, st- st- what was that comfort yeah Com- comfort through distraction yeah the seduction of the entertainment right yeah because the fact of the matter is look we work hard all day on our best days we work hard and we we come home and we feel as though, me personally, I know I'm very tempted to feel, hey, listen, I've earned it. I've earned it. I can, my time is my own. And um, yeah, I could read that book over there. You know, I could I could read that book or I could watch this episode. And guess what? The episode's a lot easier to do than reading that book and having to digest all those ideas. And, um, you know, I could read my Bible. I could spend extra time in prayer today, or I could surf this, this news website and see all these horrible things that, uh, you know, the lefties are doing. And they're doing horrible things. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's, it's not like it's false, but it, there's this mind, there's this mindset as a man that, um, you know, my time is my own and I work hard on the things I'm supposed to do. I don't want to take that extra effort. I don't want to make that extra effort and better myself beyond what I'm, uh, what I'm, what I'm required to do. And he, and Jesus himself called out this attitude. He said, how many of you? If you have a servant or a slave and, uh, you know, they work in the field, then they come in and they, they, you know, they get you your, your dinner and whatnot. And, um, at, after they've, they've served you, which is, you know, what their, that's their employment. That's what they're supposed to do. How much are you then going to go? Oh, good. You know, good job. Now just, you know, relax and, and, you know, uh, uh, take, take the rest of the day off. It's like, no, the servant has only done what he's required to do. And Jesus, uses very harsh language. He says something like, you know, you, you know, you're, you're nothing but a, wow, shoot. I want to make sure I get Jesus words right. But basically what Jesus said is, look, you've only done what you're required to do. You don't get a, a trophy for that. That's literally, that's your job, you know? So, um, you know, for me, that's very sobering as a man, because I, I, I have to realize, I have to remind myself when I've done what's required of me for ministry, when I've done quote unquote, what's required of me with my family. Let's say I've, let's say I've led them in family worship. Let's say that I've, I've prayed with them. Let's say that I've spent quality time with them and now they're in bed. According to Jesus, I've only done what I'm required to do. That does not make me some kind of above and beyond superior, you know, wonderful patriarchal man of the house. That's literally, I'm, that's bottom level baseline. So I don't get to now just slack off and 
nothing wrong with rest and, and recuperation, recreation. That's good. But I don't get to waste my time as, as this, you know, superior exemplar man because I've earned it. Um, I've only now done my baseline duty. And so I'm not talking about specific duties. You know, we should all be doing this every day. I'm just talking about for me, the mindset of this, this Eldis Huxley amusing or, um, uh, a, uh, Fahrenheit 450. Was that, is that Fahrenheit 451? Is that Huxley? You know, this idea that I, no, no, no. What was, who wrote, uh, what did Huxley write? Brave New World. Brave New World. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's right. So this idea that I now just get to be entertained and, and slack off because I've earned it. Um, that, that's an idea that's foreign. I think, I think it should be foreign to the mindset of a biblically minded man. Mm. You think I'm going too hard on that? <laughs> For those who are consumed in uh, the pleasure of the world and distractions and not doing the things for their families. Yes. Uh, but there's a level there when you can become your own tyrant, so to speak. And when you do that, okay. you lose a sense of passion and purpose and you lose joy and you don't want to lose the joy in the Lord in your own spirit. So I think there is time for rest and relaxation as you rightly articulated. As much as I make time to work, I need to make time to cultivate the garden of romance with my wife. If I have one, I need to make time to cultivate the, 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 the relationship I have with my boys individually or my, my girls. Hmm. And I need to make time to play and enjoy and spend time with guys and to relax and put, take my hat off or relax, take my, my pipe, <laughs> kick back, yeah. uh, watch, watch an episode or read a book or do something that's enjoyable. So I think there's, there's time for everything. There's a time for every season under the sun. And a wise man is able to articulate and to divide that time into his life because we only live one time on this earth that God has given us. And we, uh, as Moses said, we need to be able to be wise guards of our time and, and number our days is what he says in the Psalms. Yeah, it kind of makes me think like, you know, old and, you know, towards the end of the end of my time here, what, what am I going to reflect on? Uh, am I going to think, man, I, I really should have binged uh, that that show or we you know what I mean. Right. It's like, no, probably not. I'm probably going to look back and, and, and say, man, I should have spent more time, uh, you know, with my kids when they were in those, those formative ages, when it was, you know, it was really, really important or, hmm. you know, shared, shared my faith with the people that I, you know, that I work with. Um, or spent more time in the word or in prayer, you know, things like that. Um, and I, I know for sure I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of that. Uh, um, after a long work day and I'm, I work in construction. So some days are certainly harder than others and I'm tired. You know, sometimes the last thing I want to do is pull out a book and, you know, my body's stressed. I don't want to stress mm -hmm. out my mind. It's the only thing I have left. So <laughs> I just, turn it off and watch, you know, a show or whatever and just pass out. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting because I have, I have been feeling uh, a sense of conviction about that. That's like, you know, I feel God telling me like, Micah, watching this show is not really going to do much for you in the long run. And it's not really, 
you know, it's, it's yeah, for purposes of entertainment or comfort or pleasure or uh, of avoidance of any additional stress, you know, because I mean, think about it. I mean, that's, that's what growth is, mm-hmm. you know, growth, any growth doesn't, it doesn't come without some sort of stressor. It's like, you know, when you go lift weights at the gym and you want to, you know, get your body in fit shape um, or whatever, whatever kind of exercises you're doing puts a level of stress on your body. I would imagine the same type of thing for mm-hmm. uh, the mind, for intel- intellectual things or mm-hmm. uh, emotionally speaking uh, um, and, um, you know, working through uh, things that uh, allow emotional maturity, which is a lot of what, you know, I was talking about earlier with the crucible project is it really uh, works on the emotions, but that's hard work. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, and it takes dedication. It takes uh, conviction and passion and a desire to want to change. Um, and, you know, as I think about some of these men that I've invited to AWOL and to other things that, uh, they're it's like, nope, man, I'm good where I'm at kind of thing. You know, right, right. It's like, man, it, you know, like I know I don't want to, I, I don't want to ever just get to that point. Like that's not my destination is just to get to a point where like, nope, I'm good now. You know, uh, yeah. when I'm dead, <laughs> when I'm with the Lord, like that's when I'll be, okay, I, I'm, I'm good now. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, let's not forget too, uh, Kel, I hear what you're saying about being your own tyrant. And, uh, you know, I think my wife can vouch that I definitely, uh, veer towards that from time to time, maybe, maybe too many times, but there, there is a way of living with that eternal destiny in mind be, because the things that we do, we understand as believers that the things that we do right now in this life with the limited days that we have, cause in, cause Moses said, teach us to number our days. He also said, our years are 70 or maybe 80 by reason of strength. So it's like 70 or 80 years is not a long time. And the, the, the things that we do in this life do impact our eternity. And not only our eternity, but the eternity of others. There might be somebody watching or listening to our very conversation right now at this moment. And this it could be it could be 10 years from now. We don't know. And they're listening and they're hearing about the things that we're talking about. It may have an impact on them. We, we just don't know. And so what the rest and relaxation and uh, what's the word recreation, I think is very, very good. And I, I never want to downplay that. I, I really don't. But the, um, the what, man, what I want to fight against in my own self is slothfulness it's you know that old that old uh seven the seven deadly sins you know one of them is sloth i'm not roman catholic i don't know about these things okay but but one of those one of those sins is sloth and i'm i'm talking about the kind of faux rest that's not really rest that 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 vegging out that actually doesn't leave you any more rested you know, I can read a novel before bed and I can be rested. My mind is, is sort of, um, yes, it's active, but it's transport. When I read Tolkien with my kids, Caldun, you, you heard me talk about that with my kids the other day. You know, I read, I read Tolkien with my kids before bed. That's, that's a restful experience. I got my kids around me. I'm reading this fantasy novel where we're all transported to another place. Yes. In a certain way that it is, it's an, it's involving my mind, even my body to a certain extent as I'm holding the book and, and, you know, this and that. But 
that is a restful experience in a way that laying down, sprawling out on the couch with a bowl of potato chips, watching the latest Marvel series and, and then, you know, binge watching several episodes of whatever show that is, I don't know about you guys. That to me is not a restful experience. It's, it's a slothful one. And I, I'm, I'm telling you as, as a man, I don't believe that's the best use. I'm preaching to myself here, guys, but I wouldn't be preaching to myself if, if I wasn't doing this in community right now. So I thank God for this community, but I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be legalistic and say, never do that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there are certain things that if you allow them into your life and they begin to take the place of godly, healthy habits that actually are truly restful, those, those activities are going to keep you from those eternally beneficial activities. Mm. And they're going to deaden your senses and dull your mind and dull your heart. And you're going to be less of the man that you were created to be. And that to me, when you think about the reality of eternity, that to me is, I was going to say tragic, but if we heed the warning, then it's just, it's sobering and it's, it's encouraging. I dare say, if we take the warning. Right, right. Well said, brother. Uh, if I may, I want to articulate exactly um, how we can see what it is that is problematic. Some things, for example, in the book of Roman, uh, Hebrews, it tells us that, I think it's Hebrews 11, where it says there are some sins that, um, beware of the sin that easily entangles. And there are other things that are not sinful, but they do pull you back from the Lord. Uh, there are things that are um, uh, that weigh heavy upon the soul of a man. And the question is, how do you distinguish and articulate what that is? And I found this uh, from Susanna Wesley, the mother of Charles Wesley, this uh, point that she made about sin was very powerful. If I may share it. She says, take this rule. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off the relish for spiritual things. In short, Whatever increases the strength and authority of your mind over your body, excuse me, your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may be in itself. Good, man. Uh, as, uh, as we're talking here, I was just reminded of 1 Corinthians 6.12, because what that says is, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, hey man, uh, for some guys that's smoking cigarettes, for some guys that's binge watching TV shows, for mm-hmm. some guys, for hey, it could be reading books. It could be, uh, man, I don't, I mean, you name it. Look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and list all the things because every, everybody's circumstance is different. Yeah. I, here's, here's what, what I want to propose, because we are talking about how to apply biblical principles and we're talking about manly community and manly fellowship. I want to put forward this idea that I think is an excellent antidote to falling into those traps of allowing ourselves to be distracted and, um, and taken over by these less than profitable things. I think that intentionally pursuing godly, biblically focused, Bible-saturated, fraternal, manly brotherhood is a a strong um, remedy against that kind of laziness. Mm. 
And I think there's different things we can do. Like those of us who are married, we can spend time with our wives and we better be spending time with our wives. Um, we can spend time with our children. We can lead family worship. There's spiritual disciplines. We can pray. We can fast. But this idea of getting together for God, for, for regular disciplined. And you know, we have an advantage here. I think maybe advantage isn't the right word. We have a, a, a blessing as men because as men, we're naturally structured. We're naturally wired to call one another out and to push back on each other. I can't tell you how many times Mike and I have been friends for, for 27, 28 years, something like that. I can't tell you how many times we've challenged each other. And man, there were times when it didn't seem like the friendship was going to last for real, but that we're men. So it's fine. We, we can fight. We can challenge each other. Um, we can, um, we can sharpen the face of one another as Proverbs 27, 17 says. And it's like, we are specifically geared towards this and wired towards this. But the question is, are you going to take advantage of that natural propensity that God has given you? The only way you can take advantage of it is in community. You cannot, you've, you've got this superpower that you get into community and you are sharpened by other godly men. It's something that you are wired to do as a man. The question is, are you going to take advantage of it? And it doesn't have to be a wall. Look, if you're into the Chicagoland area, you're listening to this. If you're in Wisconsin, Indiana, it's still legal to cross state lines. Biden has not lawed that for the unvaxxed. Come on and come on and join us. (laughs) Like, come on and join us. Uh, The next one's coming up December 17th. Come on out. You, You send me a message. I will give you the address as long as you're not a troll. And you're not a woman because women aren't allowed. Sorry, but come on out and um, and get sharpened. And it doesn't have to be our community. It can be something else. Start your own. Hey, we'll, we'll tell you how to do it. I mean, you got three guys on the channel right now who would be more than happy, each and every one of us, to tell you how to do this. Not that we're the gurus and the experts. Maybe Caldoun is, but uh, the rest of us, you know, we're just we're normal guys, and we're we're trying to we're trying to have this community. And if if that's something that you want. We will help you discover it because it's not just something you should want. It's something that you need as a man. And again, it's a, it's an incredible blessing the Lord has given you to be able to foster godliness and to live as the man you were supposed to be in this community. We talk all the time. I know I'm going on the soapbox again, but we talk all the time on this show about answering cultural challenges with timeless truth. How are you going to get equipped for that? I mean, you're trying to go it alone. How's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> like, if you're like most of us, not well. Look at the statistics I cited earlier. Get into community. Even if you just, even if none of you is a Bible scholar, that's all right. That'll come. Bring your Bible and open it up and, 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 you know, get in that habit and then go back after you've talked and go back and look up the verses that somebody mentioned or, 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 or do it, do an internet search for, Versus related to the topics you guys talked about. My point is this, it doesn't have to be perfect, but get into community and get equipped because as, uh, you know, as Micah mentioned earlier, if you're not leading your family in this, someone else is going to. Their nature abhors a vacuum. Their, a vacuum will not stay a vacuum for long. If you're not playing that role, someone else is going to bank on that. So it, be, so it better be you. Say amen to that. Yes. Yes. Amen. Agreed. Yeah. All right. We got to, uh, we got to wrap this up. Really quick. Give a, give a, 
30 second, 10 second plug for your organization. So people know where to find you guys. They're, they're like, Hey, I want to, I want to hire Micah to build my next house. Hey, I want to hire Caldoon to rebuild my life from the ashes of the, uh, <laughs> the catastrophe I brought upon it. Micah, where can people find out more about red cloud and, uh, and your business? Yeah. So, uh, uh, for sure, our website, um, www.redcloudcontracting.com. Um, pretty easily find multiple links in there to contact us. Um, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. Um, can't cite that off the top of my head. My wife takes care of a lot of the social media stuff. Um, but that, that's a great start. Yeah, I mean, uh, any sort of... Uh, uh, what I, what I like to say, you know, multi-trade projects. Um, so kitchens, bathrooms, basements, additions, uh, finishing an attic space, or if you are a uh, small business owner and looking to expand, you know, outgrowing your existing space or know someone who is, or looking to purchase a building that needs a bunch of work done to it. Like I'm doing right now for a customer. Um, general contractor so i uh, do all sorts of good stuff and uh right on. yeah that's great awesome cal sure if you're tired of trying everything and not getting anywhere if you really want to see more productivity peace and passion in your life you need to get along with somebody and get connected to someone so that you can transform the man within you with the god who is above you so you can make an impact to the culture around you. And that will happen unless you're around a group of men who can do that with you. If you don't have that, um, Logically Faithful, I have a coaching ministry which works individually with men to be able to find that in their community, build that within themselves, and make a significant difference with the gifts, talents, and experiences God has gifted you with. And if you need that, reach out. It's logicallyfaithful.com. You can go slash coaching specifically for what I'm referring to. It's logicallyfaithful.com. All right. And if you want to get in touch with me, go to thethink.institute slash contact. That's the best way to get in touch with me. It will go directly to my email. And if you want to come to a future AWOL gathering, because you've been listening to the three of us and you go, those are three guys that I want to hang out with. Or maybe you're like, you know what? Those guys are lunatics. I want to go set them straight. That's fine. You can come out. Come out, hang out. Just bring your own tobacco and, and beer and whiskey. That's bring something to share because if you're going to come and rip on us, it's the least you can do. But come on out uh, and enjoy some manly, brotherly, uh, fraternal fellowship. And the best way to find out about that is to go to thethink.institute slash contact, send me a message and say, I want to come to AWOL. We are located in the Chicagoland area in the Fox Valley region, although you don't have to live in the Fox Valley region to, to join us. And hey, if you're just in town, maybe you live somewhere else and you're going to be visiting Chicago on one of the dates when we um, are doing an AWOL, you're more than welcome to join us as well. Just can't bring your significant other because it's men only. Okay, that about wraps it up for this episode. The Think Podcast is a production of the Think Institute and is produced by yours truly, Joel Sedecase. The Think Institute operates under Church Movements, a ministry of Crew under the division of Crew City. To learn about how to support the Think Institute and my family tax-free, go to thethink.institute/partner. I hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. Remember, this is not goodbye. 
This has just been a short stop on the journey as we learn to lead our families in defending the Christian message. And we'll see you next time. Until then, I hope it made you think. Music